Well, good morning again. It is a good day here at First Baptist Church. At least I'm having fun. Um, <laughs> we are excited uh, to, to be able to have this chance this morning. As, as uh, we were getting ready for the internship and we'd talk to the church and we'd line things up, uh, I wrote a, a note. There are two sticky notes that are in my office that I'm going to keep for posterity's sake. And because on them it says, uh, Minister Moo at the top. For those of you that don't know, we call Michaela Mickey Moo. And so a lot of times that's just shorted to Moo. And so it says, Minister Moo at the top of it. And it had a list of things that I I thought that maybe we might have her do. Uh, For instance, uh, one of them was following up with the remix hosts, the the houses that would be um, taking care of of the attic during the summer to like coordinate and talk to the different people so we knew what was happening in the office. Another was uh, that she would help with VBS. Um, another was help with office tasks and th- those messengers that are in your hand, those are, are folded and stuffed and put together by Spanky and Michaela every week. And so that was on the list. But then at the very bottom of the list was that I would like her to preach another sermon. And so I wasn't sure how that was going to play out, but then we talked about it. I was like, do you want to do this? She's like, absolutely. Sure, I'm down. And so here we are. So Michaela this morning uh, will be coming and, and bringing us a message from Romans 12. And we've spent actually the last week and a half kind of going through the passage. Um, she's got a lot, of, a lot of her own skin in this game. And so this is going to be a, a really good sermon. I trust that God's going to speak to you through it. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we turn the stage over to her. Father God, I thank you so much again for your goodness and grace for all that you're doing here at First Baptist Church. Lord, this morning we've seen evidence of your spirit moving as we've seen uh, people of several different ages come to Christ, Lord, and and confess and profess their faith. And uh, we've heard the voices of young and old together lifting up the name of Jesus, proclaiming Christ crucified, risen, and coming again, and the salvation that comes through that. And we've heard from one and now two interns, Lord, whom you are working in and through to do ministry here in this church. We've prayed for our college students as we send them off to be further equipped. And Lord, we are aware that your spirit is here and your spirit is moving. And so God, we pray that in these moments, as Michaela shares with us from the truth of your word, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open to hear what you've placed on her heart that we'd hear these words of truth, that we'd be encouraged where we need to be encouraged and challenged where we need to be challenged. Lord, give her clarity of thought and calm her nerves. Lord, we place her in your hands and we ask you accept this offering and that it would be for our benefit and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Stage is yours, kid. Well, good morning. Um, So, making the move from northern Indiana, to the move to northern Indiana from southern Indiana for school has been an amazing experience. And the learning we have done has extended beyond the classroom. This was particularly true last winter when the cold came in and the snow started falling. I thought I had experienced winter before I moved to Grace College, but boy, Was I wrong? The temperatures are, on average, 10 to 15 degrees colder than they are down here in Seymour, and the snow seems to come from any and all directions. 
The frozen tundra of the north is an unforgiving landscape in the winter. And my experience of the northern winter took a troubling turn at one point. My car, which we lovingly call Myrtle, has some recurring issues, one of which is the rear sliding doors struggle to close when it gets too cold outside. One particular cold and frosty morning, I went to start Myrtle up, but when I turned the key, nothing happened. After calling my dad in some hysterics <laughs> and walking through the situation, I realized that when some friends had closed the door the night before, it failed to latch, and as a result, the dome light was on all night, and it had drained my battery dry. There was no one else around in the parking lot that Saturday morning, but I remembered reading that campus security had jumper cables and would come help if called. So I called them, and they came. When he arrived, the officer got out into the cold, opened the hood of my car, attached his nifty charging device, and had me turn the key. Myrtle started right up. He closed my hood, made sure I, made sure I was okay, and sent me on my way. I had never met that man before, but he came out and helped me. He did exactly what it said on his badge. He served and protected. He sacrificed his comfort and convenience to serve my needs and protect me from the cold. In that moment, he was a living sacrifice for me. The officer provided an example that we, as followers of Jesus, need to follow. Our lives are to be living sacrifices, molded to the example Jesus left us as we compassionately serve God and others in the same way Jesus served us. That's exactly what Paul tells us in Romans 12. Let's take a look, shall we? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our very lives are the sacrifice God deserves and desires. Our understanding of the great mercy of God should inspire a decisive commitment and should impact the lives we live. The first phrase in verse 1 has a lot for us to unpack. It reads, therefore, I urge you. Everything Paul is about to write is in light of what he has previously written about the mercy of God. Both the words therefore and urge make a direct connection to what Paul had written earlier in his letter. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has gone into great detail explaining the grace of God. He has explained, he has explained the rebellion of the human heart across the board and the enduring and far-reaching nature of God's grace both in how it was achieved and in God's desire to make it available and see it applied to as much of humanity as will believe. The word therefore is an important clue of connection whenever we're reading the Bible. Often, a chapter of the Bible will start with the word therefore and we blow past it. And we fail to make note of something the author is trying to communicate. A helpful and easy-to-remember rule when studying the Bible is, whenever you see a therefore, look back to see what it is there for. When an author uses this word, they are drawing conclusions from what came before. What came before is a detailed explanation of God's work in making salvation available, Romans 9, our responsibility to respond to, to it, Romans 10, and God's desire to make salvation available to all, Romans 11. And the word urge makes me think of the word urgent. What Paul is writing is of utmost importance and needs immediate attention. The word translated urge means to motivate on the basis of what has been communicated thus far rather than a new unrelated command. The important response is a result of what has just been communicated. Paul urges those reading his letter to respond appropriately to the saving grace that God has made available. For Paul, there was only one logical option. The only reasonable response to the sacrifice of Jesus for brothers and sisters in Christ is to offer our lives as sacrifices to him. The perfect life of Jesus was born to live and that the terrible death he died on the cross was in our place. It made a way for us to have a right relationship with God and to live with him in heaven forever. It only makes sense then that the lives we live by his grace should be lived for his glory and praise. 
Our sacrifice requires us to use our bodies productively for God's glory, not through their destruction. We are living sacrifices. Sacrifices were usually an attempt to ask for or earn mercy. But the grace of God already satisfied his anger through the shedding of the blood of Jesus. We aren't trying to quiet God's anger and calling for his mercy, but are stepping into his great love and living new lives in and through it. Jesus gave up his life so that he could give us ours. Our sacrifice isn't the end of a life, but the living of a life. It requires an intentional and deliberate decision to offer the outworkings of our lives for God's glory. Our lives are a gift from God, and our sacrifice is to live them the best we can according to his, the truth of his word. We live our lives in service to his will, according to his plan and purpose. Service is always the proper accompaniment and demonstration of Christian worship. The word Paul uses for worship, latria, is not just merely about adoring God in word, but also communicates the idea of meaningful activity. It's great that we sing songs every Sunday. It's amazing that Pastor Nathan does a virtual hymn sing every Friday. It is wonderful that people come to the church for Bible study and to hear the word of God preached several times each week. But worship is more than just those things. Worship is what happens when the truth of what God has done for us inspires us to live our lives for God. We should be seeking to worship God through the daily actions of our everyday and ordinary lives. Our lives become appropriate, God-honoring sacrifices when we stop conforming to the world around us and instead are transformed from the inside out. God's grace in our lives should inspire us to adopt new patterns of living. Both do not conform and be transformed are in the present tense. It's not something that has already been done for us or will be done someday, but something that takes place in us every day and the words Paul uses to tell us that we have a part to play in the process. We can't continue to just go with the flow. We have to make the effort to not conform to what the world says. We can't conform to what the world says is right or acceptable. We don't live our lives based on human understandings or expectations. We also have to refuse to conform to the temptations that creep into our hearts and minds. We can't be keeping up with the Kardashians and Christ. We have to pick a lane. And Jesus provides a great example of this. Had Jesus conformed to the societal expectations, he would have been a famous, wealthy, and powerful rabbi. He most likely would have risen through the ranks quickly due to his popularity and would have become a member of the ruling class. He would have been a member of the Sanhedrin rather than a target of their hate and false charges. Had Jesus given in to the temptations of Satan, he could have fast-tracked his climb to the throne and avoided the cross. That was always the devil's temptation. He could have achieved the goal without any effort on his part. 
He offers shortcuts to the good life God has for us. But all shortcuts to the kingdom of God cut us off from his power and presence. Don't conform. Do be transformed. Jesus didn't come to go with the flow, but to reset it. He set a new standard both through the life he lived and the death he died. He continually served others, seeking to care for them with compassion and kindness. He treated them as if they mattered, regardless of who they were or what they had done. Though he was the promised Messiah, the Son of God, and God in the flesh, he gave of himself to serve others to the point of his own death on a cruel Roman cross. And he calls his followers to follow his example. Luke 9.23 states, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Being a disciple of Jesus has always required a daily decision to sacrifice our desires and instead to follow the example of Jesus in our attitudes and actions. We have to make the choice each day to pick up our proverbial crosses and follow the path of sacrificial grace that Jesus paved for us. Our sacrifice will be seen as we humbly serve with the gifts God has given. Failure to see ourselves and others in the right light often fails, often results in a failure to serve as God to serve as God desires. When we think too much of ourselves, we think less of others. When we think less of others, we are less likely to see their needs or care enough to try to help them find solutions. Everything we see in modern media is filtered. This is true of almost all media, but it is especially true in social media. Platforms like Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok have helped people create entire businesses and new personas using filters. For people my age, it is common to take a thousand pictures, sort through and choose the very best one, but the very best one still isn't good enough. So then we put a filter on it to adjust the way our features, such as our complexion and hair look. They filter and crop it again to make sure the lighting and background look perfect. Then, and only then, will the person post the picture to the internet. Over the years, filters have gone from making small adjustments to being able to completely alter reality. They allow us to completely change the way we look or where we are until the picture is unrecognizable. Now, let's play a game of spot the difference with my face. We could have, see, there's me. Next one. And there's me again. As, as you can see, this one is the filtered one. It has been filtered three times, gave me a full face of makeup, and got rid of any flaws that might be on my skin. Filters alter our ability to truly see and understand reality. They, they distort reality. They allow us to create pictures of ourselves, others, and the world. 
that are altered to meet societal expectations and to make us look better to others. They cause us to elevate and fixate to an unhealthy degree on the person who usually matters most to us, ourselves. Paul warns about the problem of pride and the false filters that feed it. Our faith in Jesus and our faith that all good gifts come from him should shift focus from ourselves to Christ, his church, and the world he came to save. Our renewed minds are a fresh filter that helps us see the world as Christ sees the world. It doesn't distort reality to make us look better or cut out what is bad, but helps us to see others and ourselves more clearly in order that we might serve with both humility and grace. The renewal of our minds allows us to think of ourselves and others in the right way. And proper thinking leads to proper action. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We need the mind of Christ. We need to follow his example by looking at the world with eyes of compassion and kindness, actually making an effort to see opportunities to serve them as Christ served us, with sacrificial love. We are all different parts and serve different functions, but we all form one body and are working together to serve the same Jesus. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I noticed something interesting about the use of each of these gifts. Each of them, when used, are for the benefit of others. Our gifts are given not for our glory, but for the good of others. The world encourages us to focus and take care of ourselves first. Our gifts and abilities are for our own good and to bring as much glory as we can to ourselves. We aren't to conform to that pattern. When we are transformed by the renewing of our minds and take on the mind of Christ, our focus shifts outward, and we are able to use our gifts as God intended for his glory, the good of his body, and the sharing of his gospel to those that need to hear it. One commentary states, the body of Christ can flourish only when every individual member and group within the church remains mindful of the good of all and thus sets aside individual interests for the sake of the common life and witness. Each of our gifts and abilities are given by God 
and are necessary for the good of the whole body. It's only when each of us uses what God has given us to the best of our abilities for the benefit of others that we are able to accomplish the purposes of God for his glory. So what would Jesus do? Love should be the theme of the Christian life. Leitmotif, a leitmotif, is a repeating musical phrase that is used to represent a character, setting, emotion, or theme. They are common in television shows and movies, and some have become incredibly famous, and as soon as we hear them, we immediately think of the character to which they correlate. So I'm going to give a few examples. We will play the song, and when you guys know the character, shout it out to me, okay? So the first song. Yes, it is Harry Potter. There he is, right there. As soon as you hear that song, you can feel the whimsical world of imagination found in J.K. Rowling's stories. You hear that song, and you, and you can see Harry walking the halls of Hogwarts. The next song, please. Indeed, Captain Jack Sparrow. This song makes you smell the sea. You can almost hear the waves as it plays, and there on the horizon is Captain Jack Sparrow, and sailing in his ship, the Black Pearl. Next one. I will give you, this isn't just one person. Come on, shout it out to me. I know some of you know this. Yes, the Avengers. It is the Avengers. This song just sounds heroic. When you hear it, you can see the camera pan slowly over not one, but several selfless superheroes preparing to save the world from imminent doom and destruction. We could have the next one. Come on, who is it? Shout it out to me. What? Yes! This is Darth Vader. Let's just keep on listening to it. It's just so great, isn't it? The best leitmotif there is written. This may be one of the most popular leitmotifs ever written. It sounds ominous and powerful. You don't even have to hear the whole theme to know that Darth Vader is somewhere nearby. Each of these songs are dead giveaways that certain characters are close at hand. In verse 1, Paul noted that our very lives are offerings of worship. In a sense, our lives compose songs to the Lord, both in what we say and what we do. 
Our lives should provide a light motif that point people to Jesus. Matthew 20, Matthew 22:37 through 39 says, Jesus, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When asked, Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God, and the second connected commandment was to love neighbor as self. In John 13:35, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus said that love, specifically the way we love one another, would be the clearest mark of his followers. In verse 9, it says, of Romans 12, love must be sincere. The presence or absence of our love in our words and deeds serves as evidence of what we truly believe. It is the starting point from which Paul outlines practical outworkings of our lives. Love is the simplest answer to the question, what would Jesus do? And it should be what we do as well. Love should be the driver that determines our attitudes and actions. It should be what people experience when they interact with us. Paul provides some specific instructions on who we are to love and how we should act towards various groups and individuals. We are to love those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes further, though. We are to honor each other more than we do ourselves, prioritizing the needs of others more than our own. We are to have a passion for God. We are to seek to serve the Lord with our lives. Paul repeated himself multiple times in chapters 9 through 11, noting that his passion for and service to God was seen in his efforts to share the saving grace of Jesus with others. Love for God and love for neighbor are two sides of the same coin. One requires the other to be fully realized. We are to give of ourselves, our time, energy, and resources to serve God and care for those he brings into our lives. But we don't just get to love those who are required to love us back. We are to love our enemies, to return blessing even when they curse us. We need to seek to meet people where they are in their lives and try to be a peaceful presence in the world. We don't respond according to what others do to us, but according to what Jesus has commanded and how he continues to love us. Our acts of love aren't supposed to be weapons to harm others, but a means to overcome the evil in the world. Now, the goal in heaping burning coals is not to get even, but it's to see God bring them to repentance. We shouldn't seek to hurt anyone, but help see them get right. If it becomes about hurting them like they hurt us, we are no longer demonstrating the love and grace God shows us. In Matthew 5, 
it says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward you will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this shouldn't really be a surprise to us. It shouldn't be a surprise because Jesus preached this to his disciples. It's almost as if Paul took the words for his letter straight out of Jesus' mouth. We will only truly make a difference in the world if we if we will only truly make a difference in the world if we live different lives in the world. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In 1 John 4, 10 through 11, it says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus is the example that we are to adopt in our own lives. The love we experience through his saving grace should provide the pattern we use to determine how we live our own lives in service to him. The same compassionate grace that saved us and is changing our lives is the only hope we have of seeing meaningful change in the world. WWJD bracelets have been a fad that have come and gone over the years. I usually wear one, and I know my dad has worn one since he was my age. It's become cliche to many, but the message it communicates is sound, and it's a necessary reminder. We are the body of Christ. It is our responsibility, as people who have been saved by his grace, and who are seeking to make his name great, to worship him, not just with songs on Sunday, but with every moment in every day of our lives. Our lives are the sacrifices that God deserves and desires. Our lives are the loudest and most continuous gospel message most people will hear. We should be filtering the way we see others and the way we act through our understanding of who Jesus was, how he lived, and our call to take up our own crosses and follow him. We should serve with the same sacrificial grace that he did so, that his grace and salvation can continue to spread 
to the world in which we live. Okay, Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for everyone here. Um, I pray as this week continues, we can live our lives in the sacrifice that you desire and that our lives would be a message to a message of the gospel. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.